This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, the business station. This is Cruise Control, the car show, brought to you by Carsom here on BFM 89.9. My name is Rich Bradbury. As usual, I'm joined by my friends, Arif Ruse. He's the man with the news. Hello, Richard. Hello, Daniel. Hello, everybody. And Daniel Fernandez. He's that man with the website, dsf.my. Say hello, Daniel. Hola. Hello. And welcome to Cruise Control. <laughs> As usual, a car show in three parts. Uh, we're having a bit of a discussion at the top with some car launches. We've then got a new car review coming up a little bit later on and a used car review coming up a little bit later on. Arif, kick us off. What have we got? Um, in terms of news, um, long weekend. Uh, nobody really wants to work, so there's not really much news to speak of. But uh, as alluded to last week, because uh, me and Daniel, we were talking about Proton and Prodo and Toyota, how they were so proud of their numbers. Uh, so September numbers we finally just received from the Malaysian Automotive Association. And yes, as mentioned last week, it's showing positive signs. So even after mm-hmm. the lockdown year we have had, we're roughly 7% behind in terms of year-to-date sales volume compared to 2020, which is depends on how you look at it. It's either a good thing that we're only 7% behind or it's a bad thing because 2020 was really, really bad, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> really, really bad. Uh, something interesting that MA pointed out, I want to get you guys' thoughts on this because they mentioned that certain makes face cancellation of orders uh, due to low consumer sentiment. And I'm not really sure what low consumer sentiment means. They weren't that interested. Not interested. That's also true. But I also think uh, maybe because... There's a long waiting list. For example, the Proton X50, long waiting list. Toyota Corolla Cross, long waiting list. So, of course, some people say, I, uh, I don't want to mm. wait. You know? And mm. also, remember this, the SST discount ends this December 31st. Oh, yeah. So, if your sales advisor, the person you're, you're buying the car from, tells you, boss, I think you have to wait until February, March, April. And then you start thinking, hey, I'm not going to get the SST discount. What's the point in buying a new car? Mm. And we all know that a lot of these delays are because of the lack of chips. Mm-hmm. Part of it, anyway. Got to miss those French fries. Mm. Yeah, well, yes, yes indeed. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's pretty much all the news we have this week. Very quiet, huh? Really, because like you know, everybody's back out driving. We might have some reflections about the state of our cars and our bikes socially. And uh, Daniel has just done that, hasn't he? What have you got, Daniel? Well, you know, we've seen this over the years. I've seen it over the years. But I've grown to understand because a lot of my friends are bikers. But until I became a biker myself, I didn't understand how difficult it is. When did you become a biker? (laughs) Scooter, scooter, scooter. Oh, okay. Uh, A scooter, not a biker, scooter. Uh uh Not quite a mud pit yet. No, no, no. I'm very, I'm very dignified. I don't go more than 60 kilometers even on the highway. <laughs> <laughs> so you're the one causing all the traffic. <laughs> I'm the one causing the traffic in the bike lanes because I'm going so slow and I won't let them overtake because, you know, I scared when they overtake, they'll, they'll, they'll flip me over, you know, because some of these guys are us- using big bikes. The thing is, you know, after riding around KL and PJ, mostly around PJ, around my neighborhood to do errands and everything else, I found the scooter so wonderful because I don't have to worry too much about parking and everything else. But when I go into densely populated areas where there are a lot of offices, for example, if I go to the EPF office or when I go to a bank or if Mm -hmm. I go to a, a crowded eatery to get some food, 
-hmm. And then I realized, even for me as a scooter rider, I'm having problems parking my scooter, which is the smallest scooter you can buy. It's a 125. It's it's not very fat. You know, there's some scooters that are quite fat, wide, you know? Mm. And then I see, the problem is, there's not enough designated parking for motorcyclists. Okay, I know the car guys are going to get angry. Before they get angry, let me say this. Number two, a lot of these guys who are doing delivery, they're just rushing in, rushing out. They don't have... You see, if you go into a bike space, if you've got a bike on the left and right, just like a car park space, you have to go in carefully. Yeah, yeah. So, because you don't want to hit the bike on the left, because why? If you hit them and they fall over, you start a domino effect, you know? <laughs> yeah. And you're going to get a lot of people beating you up. So, you have to be very careful moving in and out. And you see, I'm not the most buff and strong like Richard, you know, who can handle a, a bike, you know. I'm a, you know, a small, weakling old man, you know. So when I move my scooter, I have to be very careful to make sure I don't nudge the other bikes and everything else. And then I realize sometimes these guys come and park behind me because they're rushing and they just like double park, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And then uh, you can't move their bike because why? They leave their helmet on, they leave their jacket on. If you move it and something falls, they'll get angry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so this, this was one problem. And then when I ventured out into KL, my word, it was even more serious a problem, you know? Mm. Even when you go into a designated building car park where it has got motorcycle parking, even there the motorcycle parking is full because you've got guys who do delivery, courier riders, uh, mm. dispatch clerks and everything else. And a lot of them are just haphazardly parking. Some of them, the ones that park properly are the ones working in the building. Mm. You can see because they've parked properly, they've kept their helmet away, their jackets, everything. The ones that are just in and out, uh, the jacket is still hanging there, the, the motorcycle helmet is hanging on the seat or the handlebar. I'm a tatery. Yeah, exactly. And then now comes the next biggest problem. This is the problem which a lot of car drivers are getting angry with big bikers. So they say, oh, big bikers are the worst, you know. They just park as they wish. They don't even park in the parking lot. You know, they don't even park in the bike lot. They just park in the car park lot and then they park on the curb. They park on the side. They park at the side street and their bikes are so big and we can't move. Then I realized why. Take, for example, yourself, Richard. You're a slim, built, wiry figure. You know what I mean? Mm. (laughs) And if you're riding an all-terrain bike, which is tall. Yeah. Even though you're slim built, if you manage to fit it, first of all, because it's wide, but you still manage to fit it into a bike parking lot, Mm-hmm. How are you going to get down? How are you going to lift your legs without hitting another bike? Yeah, yeah. And if you think you're going to get down before the parking bay and push your bike in, you still got to reach in and you got no space for your legs. Especially if you've got panniers on or something as well. Ah, I was going to come to that. So if you've got panniers, then it's, it's impossible, you know? Mm-hmm. And if you get one of these super bikes with wide fairings in front, like say a Suzuki Katana or a Ducati mm-hmm. Monster, you need... Three bike parking spots. That's a fact. Because why? When you lean the bike, the bike is so wide, you need space to lean it, right? Mm, mm. And then when you get down, you need to make sure when you get down, you don't sort of trip over yourself and hit the next vehicle. (laughs) It's virtually impossible. So that is why big bikers tend to park in, I would say, the wrong places and get a lot of people angry. But because these people don't ride bikes, they don't understand the weight involved. They don't understand getting on and off the bike. There's an issue. And they just say, no, I'm paying road tax. You're taking out my space. So... I put a picture there of uh, a cup chai parked in a car park spot in front of a restaurant mm. in my article. And that picture got a lot of negative. Yeah, I've seen them doing this. They take my car park space and all that. They don't pay for parking, blah, blah, blah. But where else is the guy going to park? If he parks behind your car, you say, hey, he's blocking my car. If he parks in that space, at least another two, three bikes and go. So when I took that picture, I waited a little while. Then the second bike came. Then after a little while, the third bike came. So you can see if one guy uses a parking spot, another two or three will come and use, you know? 
in uh, I guess the the car people's defense. Right. Okay. Oh, this, this is dangerous. <laughs> I mean, yeah, sure. I mean, obviously, I totally agree with you about all of the parking spots and everything. But like, there is literally no excuse for you to ride a bike up on a pedestrian sidewalk and park your bike right in front of the bank. Oh, I agree with that. Yeah. You know, okay. under the shade and right next to the door. I mean, you can park it outside somewhere else, but. Then again, the question is, where is that somewhere else, right? Let me ask you a question, Daniel. Yep. Do you think your opinion of this has been changed somewhat since you started riding your uh, scooter? Yes. You see, because I'm riding a really small bike, I'm already facing some difficulty. Of course, there are a lot of, I'll, I'll have to say this, selfish riders out there who just don't care. And I notice most of them, I have to take a little bit of the defense also because they are rushing from point A to point B. Okay, that's fine. But there are also some who are just plain selfish who just don't care. You know, I'm riding, I don't care. I'll just park like on the sidewalk. I'll park singing. I'll park 45 degrees. I don't care. Those are just the lazy guys, like, you know? Yep. Okay. Just like you have in car drivers, those who don't mm. park properly. You know, you got a Facebook page, you know, where people complain about them. So you you have this in, in both segments, whether they're motorcyclists or whether they're car drivers, whether they're even lorry drivers. But why my opinion has changed quite a bit is because I'm finding it difficult to even find a spot to park. So sometimes I do park illegally if I'm going to pick up something. And I'm very conscious about it because I'm very conscious that someone will take a picture and put it on social media and say, ah, you see, this Daniel is over, huh? talk so much and then park illegally, you know. So I'm, you know, I'm conscious that, you know, someone from BFM like Arif will take a picture, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't agree with you more. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, it's, it's, I, it's so many sides of the story, but the thing is now, how do we solve this problem? Do you have a solution? I have a solution. I have, oh. a, very, I have a very good solution. You heard it here first. Yeah. You heard it here first, okay? The solution is simple. Ah. Everybody take public transport. Whoa! <laughs> you can't say that on a car show. <laughs> no, cars for weekend. <laughs> cars for weekend. Okay, shall we move on? Yes. Thank you very much, Daniel. Uh, let's have some car launches then. Um, what have you got? Two car launches this week. Um, one of them in Malaysia, one of them not. And we're going to talk about one that's just been launched globally because a couple of weeks ago, uh, Honda teased the Type R, the Honda Civic Type R, and the mm. whole world, including us, clapped our hands at how it looked. Yes. It had everything, a big wing, three exhaust pipes, big muscular arches and wheels. It's a serious performance car with an iconic name, Civic Type R. Are, mm. but I've always felt uh, that recently, you know, performance cars have gotten a bit too edgy, too serious, too fast. Maybe I'm getting old, but I prefer something a little bit more sedated and understated. You know, something you can carry a mom in, or your girlfriend, or your wife, or whatever. But you know, the car has a little bit of something underneath in the engine. Mm -hmm. And this is where the Civic Si comes in. And Honda has revealed that, and it looks fantastic. It's orange in color. I'm not too sure about the orange in color. I don't know about you guys. I don't mind it, actually. I'm sorry to say this, but I do like it. <laughs> it's a bit strong, but, you know, it's an orange that has many shades of orange. Yes. And, and the funny thing is, you know, because this color just came out, this, this news just came out today with this color. Mm. And as I was going out in the morning at about 8.30 in traffic jam, I saw a current Civic with the exact same color. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So someone has beaten them to it. Malaysians are very fast with yes, their cars. Yes, yes. But, you know, the Civic Si is obviously not going to be as powerful or performance-oriented as the Civic Type R, but this has just the right amount of sportiness. It has a slightly beefier body kit with, I think, the most perfect stance. You don't need any space, so you don't need new wheels because it looks amazing as it is. 
big 18 inch wheels that fill up the wheel wells you got dual exhaust lovely fabric sports seats mm. bucket seats as well and yeah the the orange color the only thing i don't really like is the overly aggressive rear spoiler which honestly probably somebody's already stuck that on their current civic right now right that i'm continuing soon in a couple of days i bet but uh, in terms of performance it's pretty cool tweaked for extra sportiness you got stiffer chassis suspension tighter steering bigger brakes and the engine obviously 200 horsepower 1.5 liter turbo four cylinder with 260 newton meters of torque and a six speed manual. Very, very, very good news for me. I like this. It's cool. I think it's got everything that will tickle car enthusiasts to buy. But the problem is, how many of them will actually decide on a six speed manual in Malaysia? You know, they always talk about we want a manual gearbox, manual gearbox. But when the car comes in, uh, you don't have auto, uh, you know? So this is the thing which I want to say. If you're not going to bother with a manual gearbox, stop writing about it. Stop talking about it. Just go and buy an auto, you know? Well, in my defense, Daniel, if I could afford one, I would buy a six-speed manual. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> but um, here's another big MPV uh, that I think is going to make waves. It's called the Hyundai Staria. Mm. And um, we spoke about it a couple of months ago uh, when it was revealed. It honestly looked super futuristic yeah it's the very definition of a space age mpv isn't it guys yes it certainly is i think the rear is marvelous the front i'm not so happy with it because it doesn't have enough chrome to challenge the new alpha <laughs> <laughs> i can see the accessory shop guys now making those new chrome inserts huh? Yeah, yeah. Sell a kit, nine nine nine. you come and bring in, a, I just do all chrome for you, you know? I love the minimalist look of this. I really, yes. really do. If you feel like you need the chrome, replacing the chrome essentially is that big, huge horizontal light bar at the front, mm. which lights up every time. And then you got those new Hyundai big car signature lights, which is just slightly below the bumper. Yes. Interesting thing is that uh, Hyundai said that this is a premium MPV for professionals and active urban families. And they actually uh, noted in the press release, it's a streamlined spaceship design. Wait, so when they said active for, for what was it? Active for what? Active urban families. Active urban families. What they mean by that is uh, family in the back, driver in the front. Driver, paid <laughs> drivers, right? You're right. You're right. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it's you know it certainly seems as such because it's still a seven-seater, but it's a big seven-seater and it's got middle row captain's chairs. So essentially what Huna is trying to push towards is the Velfire slash Alphard yes. uh, fires. And you know what? I would buy this every time over either one of those, given the choice. Yeah, but... Let's face it, guys, you know, that Hyundai badge doesn't have that brand presence like having a Toyota Alpha. I mean, if you think about it, if you talk to a lot of families, huh, some of them don't like the Toyota Alpha, but they, they must have it because my neighbor has it, my uncle yes. has it, my business yes. partner has it, you know? I've always felt like if you drove an Alpha or a Velfire, you are immediately elevated into a next level of security because everybody thinks you're either a politician or one of their henchmen. Exactly. <laughs> but if you live in Bangsa with a big family, you know, and your kids go to an, uh, an expensive school or something like that, this is the car for you. True. Uh, technical specifications, nothing listed, but it will have the same 2.2 turbo diesel, the same one that they put in the Santa Fe and the other big one. So I'm going to ask you a question now. Would you buy this or would you buy the current Kia Carnival? I wouldn't buy an MPV. No, but if, if you're looking for an MPV, say now, you know, like like I mentioned a few weeks ago, you know, you got married, you got triplets, you got maid, you know, and everything else. Would you buy this or would you buy a Kia Carnival, which is about the same price? 
I think the Kia Carnival suits me more. It's a bit more homely, a bit more family-ish. But you just said this is good looking. It's good looking, but um, you know, there's a certain homeliness about the Kia Carnival that this mm. doesn't have. This just screams, I'm an entrepreneur, somebody else takes care of my kids, you know? Right, right, right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Richard? I'm curious. And, and of course you, Daniel. I like the way the Carnival looks. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's a little bit more aggressive, I think. Um, but this one, I, I like the space aginess of it, you know, and I think mm. I would probably purchase this one. I'd, I'd go for this one just because I want to stand out a little bit different. I'm, I'm a little bit like Richard. I want to stand out. I want to get this. And also because this is brand new and it looks so futuristic, I think I can keep it for more than five years. And then when I want to keep up with the Joneses, at the, with my neighbors who are buying new MPVs, I will go and buy the 999 Chrome kit and just add it on after five years. <laughs> and then my neighbors say, wow, you got new MPV, yeah? I think the reason this looks so good because the, the pictures that we've seen, it's in black, right? I think any other color, mm, I'm not so sure. If it's in black, I'll take it. Anything else? Uh... Because the black with the black windows just makes it so Correct. funky, you know? Correct. Yeah, Correct. Agreed, agreed. And on that note, we should probably take a short break, shouldn't we? Yep. Yep. Ladies and gentlemen, you are tuned in to Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM. We'll be right back after these messages. Don't go anywhere. BFM 89.9, the business station. Beyond Frivolous Matters, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. This is Cruise Control, the car show on BFM, brought to you by Carsom. Uh, we do have a new car review right now, and I know somebody's very excited about this one. Which one of you is it that's excited? Daniel? Not me. I think it's Larry. Not you. I'm excited about you reviewing a car that I'm very excited about. I'm more disappointed that you got to drive the car first, to of be honest. Of course, of course. I'm happy for you, Daniel. Mm. KL is in phase four. Interstate travel is back. Roads and businesses have opened. Apparently, you've moved office now. I'm not sure if I should mention that. Oh, yes, yes. I've moved office. Thank you for mentioning oh, have you? you. So, all of this means, you know, our resident car influencer, Daniel Fernandez, gets to test drive a brand new Volkswagen Arteon. Mm. So, oh, he doesn't sound so excited about it. Yeah, he just went. Mm. Mm. Let me start with this, okay? <laughs> now, I've not test driven a Volkswagen for a long time. Uh, yeah. We'll not go into that, but I'll tell you this: <laughs> this Artian R line formatic was a surprise, total surprise, in a good way. In a good way. In a good way. First of all, that TSI engine, that two-liter TSI engine, is still being produced, and it's. A marvel. It's it's a marvel. I'll tell you this excitement par excellence, okay, in the two-liter market. Mm. You get into this car, you fire up the engine, it's a low, quiet, it's a well-insulated cabin. You prod that accelerator in, in neutral and you hear a rumble. You actually hear a rumble, you know? So Volkswagen has continued to keep that wonderful engine. Seven-speed gearbox, okay? They've sorted all the gearbox problems. It's nice, it's slick shifting, but... I want to put all that aside right now. I want to talk about this car in terms of looks. The jewelry on this car, the chrome, the lighting is fabulous. I agree. You look at this car when the sun is setting or the sun is about to rise. You know, dark background, you know, that silhouette. My word, this car is, he's got presence, you know. It's definitely got bling. It's got bling, but the right amount of bling, you know. Yep. The presence, whether it's front, side or back. 
it's got very good presence. I mean, if you take the competitors in the class, of course, the closest uh, sibling will be the Audi A5 Sportback. Mm. Now, that's a good-looking car, but not as good-looking as this. Then you get the Mercedes C-Class. Okay, it's coming up to five years. A new one is coming out in Malaysia. It's out globally, but it doesn't carry the kind of presence this car carries on the road. Then you got the BM330i, non-hybrid, okay? Mm. That car has got a quite a bit of bling on it. So, okay, lah, got a bit of fight. Then you get the Jaguar XC. Oh, quite a bit of bling also. But again, that's fully imported, much more expensive. And then you get the Volvo S60. Handsome, stout, typical Scandinavian design, boxy, fast, everything that going for it. But again, not enough bling to match this car in terms of look and feel and, and you know overall presence on the road. And then you get the brand new Lexus ES. Beautifully put together and everything else. But general public would say, hmm, Camry with a Lexus badge, you know? <laughs> so this, this is all the, 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 the siblings. I mean, sorry, the rivals. Only, the only sibling is the Audi. And when you look at all of them, this has got the best price, 247,000 ringgit. Everything else is more expensive. It's a steal at that price. Exactly, exactly. So you got that two-liter engine. All of them are playing around in the same class. And then you got that seven-speed gearbox. And here comes the best part. Here comes the best part. 280 brake horsepower, 350 Oof. newton meters of torque. This is a hot hatch in a family sedan. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it essentially is, right? It's the engine from the Volkswagen Golf R. Exactly. The drivetrain. Yes. And then, 0 to 100 in 5.6 seconds. And in, you actually feel it. If you put it in sports mode, you've got, you got five modes to choose. You know, eco, sport, comfort, and everything else. You've got even individual where you can program it yourself. But you just put it in sport. And then the engine rumbling gets a bit louder. The steering gets a bit stiffer. The whole car changes its aggression. You know, like a leopard changing its stripes. Mm -hmm. And then you start seeing this car come alive. And then you get inside this car and then you sit in the ergo seat. I know they got it a, a name called ergo seat. But end of the day, it's a race-like seat with so many adjustments to make sure your body is in the right position. I mean, anybody, whether it's a tall person like Richard, a fat person like me, or a slim person like Arif, you will get comfortable in the seat, you know? And then you start driving this car and then you suddenly realize the build quality, the, you know, the dashboard, the stitching on it, the steering, the feel. They've actually made a premium car at this price. And that's what really fascinated me because how did Volkswagen get this price with a car with so much features? And I'm not finished yet, you know, I haven't gone to a lot of other things yet. If I am sitting in the car and someone is sitting behind me, plenty of legroom. If Richard is driving, and Richard, you're 6'2", right? Not then? quite. I'm 5'11 and a half. But, oh. you know, 6'2 will go. I'll, okay. I'll be okay with that. On good days. Okay, so <laughs> we'll say you're 6 feet tall, right? Yes. Now, if you were driving and you had a friend who was also 6 feet tall, he will sit in the back and he will not complain. Oh. I kid you not. You can see the pictures. The rear leg room is the best in his class. What about his headroom? Okay, getting in and getting out, both of you, both of you front and back, might have a problem because this is a very sleek, coupe-like car. So you've got to actually bend in and bend out, okay? So like me, okay, I'm a shorty, so no problem getting in and out, you know? But mm. once you're in the car, six foot in front, six foot at the back, no issue. Plenty of legroom. Knees won't be knocking the back of your seat. You will have plenty of room around your cowl. You won't be hitting your steering wheel bottom, you know, things like that. Mm. 
and you can stretch out and you can drive comfortably. This is how large this car is. Just to add, I can't remember if it was the Audi boss or the Volkswagen boss that, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, he's a very tall man. Right. And he specifically wants to fit into all of the cars that they built. Okay. So they sort of like reduce the roof size, you know, the space between the roof lining and the metal roof. Correct. So your head can fit in, but, you know, you have to move your head about to get in and out of the car, yeah. which is what Daniel mentioned. Mm. I understand what you're saying, Richard. You know, like sometimes you sit very upright in the car, you might hit the top of the roof, right? That's right. With this car, no. Because the, the seat is low. The car is low and there's enough space for you to still sit upright. Got it. Now, the next part, which is one of my favorite parts, the home entertainment unit has now been installed inside a car. <laughs> <laughs> Harman Kardon sound system, 700 watts, 12 speakers around this cabin. To start off with, this cabin is very well insulated. If you drive it on a very quiet street and a very low speed, you'll hear nothing on the outside. You don't hear tire roar. You don't hear grime from the road. You know, if the odd kapchai goes past you, okay, you might hear it because it's a kapchai. It's got a loud exhaust. But generally, this car is very well insulated. Now you've got this wonderful Harman Kardon system in it. And I tell you, it is entertaining. From Led Zeppelin to Groover Washington Jr., you will get the acoustic enjoyment that you want in a car. Wow. Okay. Very, very important for a buyer of this car. Exactly. There's no reason to upgrade at all. So we took it out for a test drive. Okay. So we had it for five days. Okay. Now in between, we had our sub-editor test driving it, our our other website uh, editor also taking it out for a short test drive. I even had a few friends come over and say, come, let's test drive this car. And everyone, every single one, started off with the looks. They loved the looks. They loved mm. the interior space. They were mm. surprised with the, with the level of quality in the car, surprised with the level of safety features in the car. It matches all its rivals in terms of safety features. We don't have to go through the whole list. You can go to DSF and, and see the list. And every single one of them paired their phone, brought in their own music, whatever, and they said the Harman Kardon was <laughs> happening. Mm-hmm. So all this... Fantastic features, great product, good-looking product, and everything else. But most of them didn't even realize it was on sale and in Malaysia. Uh-huh. Well, I guess it came out three years ago, but Volkswagen never really launched it. Launched it. They didn't officially launch it, even though it was launched in the Singapore Motor Show and we saw it. And then they wanted to do a local assembly, so they took some time. And then, of course, I think they had other issues to look after. Because a car of this level, the assembly must be of a certain level because, you know, paint finish and things like that. So they got it right. I mean, it feels like a CBU car. I can't tell that it's local assembly, especially with the features that has gone into it. But a lot of people didn't know about it. And, you know, the funny thing is, like I tell you, when I test drive cars, if I test drive something really attractive or something really new, there are people who actually take out their smartphones, take a snap. People actually on the curb might point and say, hey, look at the car, you know, that kind of thing. Mm. I got it with this car. And this car has been around for four months. There are billboards on it. There are digital billboards running around Clang Valley. And still, a lot of people didn't notice it. A lot of people who were actually car guys who I talked to didn't even know it was on sale right now. And when I told them the price, they were a little bit taken back. 247000 hmm. Is it like a special discount? I said, no, that is the selling price. 247000 You get the 19-inch wheels. You get the Harman Kardon radio. You get the electric uh, ergo seat. You get the Napa leather. You get all that for 247000 And then they said, but you know, I think I'll buy the other brand or the other brand. I said, why? I don't see many on the road. Like, you know, there's this human nature thing that if we don't see many on the road. Uh, I think uh, I wait first. Hmm. And I think this is a little bit sad because why? A lot of people are giving up on a very good product at a very good price point simply because they don't see enough on the road. 
That is such a shame. Mm, really. It is, it is, it is. I just want to point out one of the reasons why I like this car a lot. And okay. it's something that I very, very recently thought about. I went on a, a, a little road trip because everything opened up. Thank you for contributing to the traffic jam. Thank you. <laughs> there was no traffic jam, you know, surprisingly. If you say so. You know, I was driving my 3 Series and I was, you know, thinking for the longest time about switching up to a bigger car. Because, you know, if you do a lot of miles, you don't really want to be bouncing around for a lot of those miles. Mm. So I was thinking, you know, something bigger, but something small enough something stylish, something that can fit enough for people to take out on a golf trip or to go on a little holiday, you know, but it has to be a sedan. So what do you get? Right. And this, honestly, is the answer because it's slightly bigger than the 3 Series. It's mm. more powerful. It's, uh, Actually, I have to correct you. It's not slightly bigger. It's much bigger than the 3 Series. Much bigger, yeah. Yes. And the 3 Series is a very, very pointy car. You know, you, mm. you're, you're bouncing about all of it, which is very good in certain ways. But when you're just eating up miles, what you want is a lot of power, a lot of torque, very, yes. very stable ride in handling, and two big back seats and a fantastic sound system for your friends or family. And this car is the answer. And you got a big boot, a huge boot. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> if people got past the fact that it doesn't sell that well or nobody wants to buy one, they'll find like a real gem in this. You know, for me, the fact that there's fewer of these on the road it would encourage me more to buy one because there are fewer of them on the road. I mean, I, logically, I, I, I'd prefer to be in a vehicle that fewer people have does that make sense? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. There are a lot of people like you who think that way because, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit different. I'm a little bit country. I'm a little bit rock and roll, you know, things like that. But there are also some other people who are worried. Oh, that means, uh, go after sales. Uh, oh, spare part. How? You know, mm. but what they don't understand is if a car is local assembled, you're, you're sure that it's got all those things, you know? Mm. But it's just a shame that a lot of people don't even know this car is in showrooms right now. And at, at this price point. I, yeah, I, I walked past one the other day. I'm like, that is such a pretty car. I have to admit. I think we've all seen the yellowish gold version rolling around Kale, oh, right? Yes, yeah. yes, yes. This blue is also very, very nice. Yeah. And which one would you get? Hmm. I'd go yeah. for the yellow gold one. Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. You know, I want to say gold, but you know, because of my <laughs> my heritage, I'll, I'll, I'll uh, go for blue. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, nobody wanted to say anything <laughs> no, no comment on that note let's take a break before we get in trouble I think so uh, folks you are tuned in to Cruise Control the car show here on BFM 89.9 the business station Beyond Frivolous Matters BFM 89.9 the business station BFM 89.9, The Business Station. This is Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM. My name is Rich Bradbury. I'm on the line, as usual, with Arif Ruse, the man with the news. Say hello, Arif. Hello, everybody. And, of course, Daniel Fernandez. He's the man with the website. Hello and good evening, and thank you for still listening to the number one radio station in the world. <laughs> so now we're heading into our used car buying guide. This week, we're discussing... The Porsche Cayenne GTS 4.8 V8. Um, it's a pretty old car, but first, tonight's used car review is powered by Carsum, Southeast Asia's largest integrated car buying and selling platform. Buy and sell cars with complete peace of mind at carsum.my. Make it Carsum today. 
to start with nobody asked me advice for this car nobody is looking for this car <laughs> nobody called me and say hey bro i'm looking for this you know massive powerful suv but i saw this on facebook it just popped up along with all my other feeds and popped up and it wasn't on on marketplace it was just someone who, who shared it and said oh you know this guy is selling his car you know looks quite nice blah 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 and he was the most honest car advert i've seen in a long time <laughs> because he actually mentioned everything he even mentioned the cost to maintain certain things the servicing cost and all that but i don't want to go into that the most important thing i want to go into the moment someone says you know gts cayenne they think oh it's just another cayenne no the gts is basically a very very special cayenne this is like buying a 911 gt3 you know mm. this is the most powerful cayenne you can get out there it's a true sports car in an suv chassis now a little bit of history Porsche Cayenne came out of nowhere in 2002 it was Porsche's gamble to enter the SUV market when there was only one rival and that rival I mean there were few rivals but there was one real rival which was the BMW X5 when the X5 came out they said we're not like other SUVs we are sport you must call us sports activity vehicle SAV you know so when you put in their articles oh BMW X5 SUV no 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 you put the SAV sports activity vehicle so BMW engaged with the buying public by saying that their vehicle was more than just an SUV it was a sports car in an SUV body and they delivered because it was very very entertaining to drive when it was new mm. so Porsche saw the success of the X5 and said hey we still can do we still got sport car you know so they came up with the Cayenne and the Cayenne saved the company really saved the company they sold so many Cayennes they were making more money out of Cayenne than they were making with all the other cars that means the Boxster the 911 this was the savior and they continued to make it so when they came out with the gts a lot of people said oh this is it i've got a 911 i've got a family now my kids are growing up i can't put them in the back seat what do i get i get a cayenne gts <laughs> and it's got the handling it's got the power i mean i've driven this car when it was new and it was entertaining it was a bomb you know i mean from from ignition you listen to that exhaust it's not an acoustic play or some audio thing you know it's actual exhaust rumbling engine grunting you know it was exciting and you get into this vehicle it's got so much tech in it and it's all from Porsche so it's you know it's reasonably reliable i mean not not for a very long time but you know reasonably reliable <laughs> so at new this Cayenne GTS was like 700 odd 1000 ringgit mm mm-hmm. not cheap as a new car buyer when you look at something like this the last thing that they're going to ask is hey boss how much the rotex eh? you know mm. hey boss how much the petrol consumption are new car buyer own us all this for kind gts but now at the second hand market this car 4.8 rotex is not going to be cheap petrol not going to be cheap but here's the best part the selling price is 80000 ringgit so it's lost 90% of its value okay yes all big luxury vehicles lose a lot of value but if you think about it okay you're going to say i uh, i like it it looks nice you know one owner well looked after but i uh, the rotex how much 4500 wow it's a one off payment mm. insurance if you bought a 800000 vehicle your insurance will be 30 40000 a year but with a 80000 vehicle because that's what this car costs your insurance Ah, yeah, no need even to buy first party lah. Buy third party. Nobody's going to steal it, you know. Mm. <laughs> so you might as well just buy third party, less than a thousand ringgit. So in total, you'll be paying something like less than six thousand ringgit a year for Rotex and insurance. So if your insurance has come down so much by more than ninety percent, what's the Rotex once a year? You're going to use it anyway, right? Yep. So that's the next thing. Now servicing costs. Now this guy. who advertised it actually put down the servicing cost and it's not that bad it's really not that bad you know 850 bucks for a service 
which is not that bad. Mm. And you think about it now when you go and buy a brand new Japanese car, when you go and service it at a service center, it's five, six hundred ringgit under warranty, you know? Mm. So paying a little bit more for this. And then things like 2,300 per service for transmission filter and gasket replacement. If you got a second-hand Japanese car with CVT, CVT to do servicing is not that cheap also. It's about this price, you know? Yep. So if you take Apple to Apple, if you got a, you know, a, a, a trustworthy mechanic and you know someone who knows what they're doing, this is not really an expensive car to own and operate. But yes, if something major breaks, okay, like your gearbox or your air suspension or your electronics, boom, that goes your budget. Mm-hmm. But if you find one that has been well looked after like this guy's one and he's got all the bills and you look at the picture, there's no cracks, no damage on the dashboard, there's no discoloration and the pictures are quite clear. All the seats still look fluffy. Exactly. You know, I mean, there's some little, you, you can see his weather, the rear seats and all, but he's not torn, he's not cracked, you know. Yep. And then when you think about it, come on, this guy has got, you know, Brembo calipers in front and back. You know, it's got a Bose sound system that comes with it, which is as good as the Harman Kardon in the Volkswagen. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got a lot of luggage space. You've got nice 21-inch wheels. You've got, you know, Michelin tires on it. He's got everything going for it. The only problem is the mindset of the second-hand buyer. Rotex, brother, how much? You know. Mm. So, I'm not telling people to go out there and buy this car. I'm just telling them, sometimes you have to look beyond just Rotex. You know, if, if you want something powerful, luxurious... Maybe you just have it for one year. You know, I'm not asking you to keep it for 10 years, you know. Mm-hmm. You buy it for 80000 You spend Rotex and insurance, say 6000 You use it for one year. Hopefully, nothing major breaks. You just drive it around. You enjoy it. You show it off a little bit. And then you sell it. How much can you lose? Maybe you sell it for 60000 65000 Is that a lot to lose? Today, when you buy a brand new car for 200000 ringgit, you drive off the lot. The following year, it's already lost 20% of its value, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Which is about the same amount of money. So... At least now you get to drive a GTS. You, you get to tell people, I had a Porsche Cayenne GTS. So, with that deep breath, I will say this. There are some people who say, I am Porsche. <laughs> I'm not so happy. <laughs> I'm not going to mention who. i rather buy a Range Rover. <laughs> you know, that's what everybody thinks of when they want a big SUV that's really, really powerful, right? Yes, a Range and, Rover Sport. Yes, and I don't blame them because why? The design of the Range Rover is evergreen, you know? Mm, mm. Like you take a Range Rover Sport, like the one I put in the picture here, 2006 model V8. It's on par with the GTS Porsche in terms of performance and features and everything else. And the luxury element in this car, I mean, come on, it's a Range Rover. You know, the Alcantara roof, the you know, the calf skin on the dashboard, you know, the, the leather seat, it's all there. Yeah, Performance, it's also there. But when you drive this Range Rover, if you have a new number plate, say you, you, you put a new number on it, like, huh? You do a transfer, you spend a bit of money. Yeah? Nobody will think it's as old as it's supposed to be. You know, Nobody will think it's a 15-year-old car. Yep. Because the new Range Rover looks almost the same. It's still square, boxy. Yeah, they've played around with the grill and the lights and the bumper. But generally, it looks like the same car. So this is where some people might be saying, you know, the Porsche kind starting to look a bit dated because you can tell the difference between the first generation, second, and the third generation. Yeah. But when it comes to the Range Rover, you can't tell the difference. And here's the best part. The Range Rover is 15,000 ringgit cheaper. Wow. Yes. Tempting, tempting. Tempting, tempting. So, you know, now, now Richard is thinking, you know, should I get back into the, you know, Queen's best books and get myself a Range Rover? Well, he, he okay. Cards on the table, right? Okay. For me, <laughs> when I hear the word Porsche, okay. I think of a 911 okay. or a Carrera or a GT3 okay. or something that sits low 
and fat to the ground. A sports car. A sports car. When they released this originally, the Cayenne, right. I looked at it and I went, no. It just, in my head, it just did not compute. And I know that this rescued Porsche uh, and, and yep. did wonderful for their business model. But for me, it was like, no, Porsche, in my head, is all about the sports car. And that was it. So given the choice, I, I would take the Range Rover. Sorry. Actually, in a little way, I agree with Richard because why? When I first saw the Cayenne also, I said, mm, no, no, sports car has to be Porsche. This is right. more like a Volkswagen Touareg with a with a Porsche body kit and some, some you know, yes. some, some Porsche bits in it. Exactly. It, 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 it almost <laughs> looks like um, a, a caricature of a Porsche. You know, yes. that's what I, I felt. So I guess you guys looked at the Cayenne and went, this is as if Range Rover, Land Rover built a sports car. Mm. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> it's just one of those cars where, like you said, maybe you could enjoy for a couple of years, get your kid to not go to college for two years. Good idea. Buy one of these cars. Tell them to gain some work experience first, because that's what everybody wants, apparently. Right. <laughs> so now I'm going to throw a you know a spanner in the works, as they say, lah. Okay. We are thinking now of these two vehicles, and and you know, okay, yes, both of them are powerful V8, massive Rotex, and you know that's that's a mm. little bit of a stumbling block. But what if now I change the tune a little bit? I say, okay, what about a Range Rover Sport diesel, which is a three liter diesel, against a mm. Porsche Cayenne 3.2? Same year, same model, but a 3.2. So, Rotex not so heavy, fuel consumption not so heavy, maintenance a bit less, but pricing even lower because the Range Rover diesel will go for about 50-odd. The Porsche will go for about 50-odd, about neck-to-neck. -neck. So, which would you pick? Don't do Range this, Rover. Daniel. Don't do this, Daniel. Yeah, no, I, I, Range Rover, yeah. Again, Porsche, you, you turn on the engine, you want to hear a Porsche. Mm. Yeah. And, and and the 3.2 from the Cayenne is a petrol, it's a V6, isn't it? Yes, it is. And it's the same engine as you find in the Volkswagen Touareg. And if I wanted to get a Cayenne, it has to be, you know, the most powerful Cayenne ever. If not, I'm just going to go out and buy an X5 or a, a Range Rover. Right. So I will buy the Range Rover. I'm like Richard, I'll buy the Range Rover simply because when you arrive in a Range Rover, especially someone in my heritage, they say, wow, this is made money, man. It's the Cayenne already, you know. <laughs> but you arrive in the Porsche Cayenne, you say, oh, second and one. It's cheap yeah. to buy, you know. Imagine if I crawled out of a Range Rover. They would think I was royalty. No. Whoa. Say, hey, well, his father <laughs> lent him the car. <laughs> On that note, shall we wrap up, gentlemen? Yes, sir. Are you interested in getting a Porsche or any other used car just like this one we talked about today? Buy your next car from the largest selection of quality used cars from Carsum.my. All Carsum certified cars have passed strict 175-point inspection, come with 5-day money-back guarantee, 1-year warranty, and fixed prices with no hidden fees. Buy and sell cars with complete peace of mind at Carsum.my. Make it Carsum today. You've been tuned into Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM 89.9. If you missed any part of this show, don't forget you can download the podcast wherever you normally get it from. We recommend the BFM app. It's available on the Apple App Store or Google Play. You've been tuned into BFM 89.9, the business station. This has been Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.